Just want to say kia orana to Paul and Tanya. Nice to have you back in the house. Oh, you'll be with them. <laughs> OMG. Okay, all right. Um, so my word this morning, I'm going to start off with a disclaimer, so that way if I don't, you know, it's all good. So what happened was that yesterday there was um, some, some things that came up in, in regards to coronavirus. So instead of me sitting and finishing off a sermon and polishing it up and everything else, I actually got, had to do some other stuff. So that's my, that's my, that's my uh, disclaimer this morning. So Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning that you would just come, that you would make sense of all of this and that people would walk away going, I get what the Lord was trying to say to me this morning. Amen. Okay. Anybody know what time it is? Quarter two. Anybody know what time lunch is today? Pete, what time's lunch today? One o'clock. Okay. <clears throat> it is 2020, and we know this because the calendar tells us. <clears throat> Our calendar is based on the Gregorian calendar, named after the Pope, Gregory VIII. And this calendar is based on planet Earth going around the sun. So 2020 is based on Earth and sun. The Hebrew calendar is based on moon, sun, and earth, and it started when they came out of Egypt. And according to the Jewish calendar, it is the year 5780. When the Bible was written, we need to understand that it was not written according to the Gregorian calendar. It was written according to the Hebrew calendar. And with that in mind, we would need to make some little changes in our thinking, or we may miss the point. An example of this is we think that the day starts when the sun rises in the morning and that the day comes to an end when the sun goes down. However, in Genesis 1 verse 5, it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The trumpet in this verse is talking about the Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets was a special day in the Jewish calendar to celebrate the beginning of the new year and the harvest. It starts off with saying, in the twinkling of an eye. That's what time the Feast of Trumpets start, as soon as the moon appeared. So if I start work at 9 o'clock, it's my watch that tells me that it's 9 o'clock. And that makes sense, and that's how we, that's how we taught, that's how we trained, etc., etc. Well, in, in the twinkling of an eye, so how the how the Jewish people did it, it was basically the rabbis went out and they stood outside and they looked towards the moon. So if on my watch it was 10:30 and the moon hadn't appeared, it didn't start. So I couldn't. So you can't put base it around a time on a watch. How it was based was as soon as they saw the moon, that's when it started. So you might find that the year before that on my watch it was 10.30, but the following year it wasn't 10.30, it was past 10.30. Does that make sense? So I'm just trying to see that they weren't locked into a time frame according to this. They did things slightly different. So that's why it says in the twinkling of an eye. What's the point? This is the point. It's important for us to be aware of what God is up to in 2020. We need to be mindful of the Hebrew calendar, and the Hebrew calendar is 5780. And as we all know, 
Those who lived through the 80s were truly blessed. Sorry, Brett, could you just come here for a moment, please? <clears throat> I don't know what I've done. Could you make that slide away for me? Oh, thank you. Okay. <clears throat> the Bible is full of references where God clearly expects that his people to know. Sorry. The Bible is full of references where God clearly expects that his people would know what times they are living in. <clears throat> Mark 13, verse 33. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the, what the, when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his own work and commanded the doorkeeper to, to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening... At midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Least coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So that is, this is Jesus talking about his return. Side note here, remember that the second coming of Jesus is not for Christians. It is for the Jews. What is for the Christians is the rapture. And the rapture happens before the second coming. Don't get those mixed up. In Mark 13, 33, who's sleeping? The saved or the unsaved? Verse 3. Verse 3 in this chapter tells us that Jesus is talking to his disciples. So the outcome is this. Jesus is saying, hey friends, keep up to date with what's going on in the spirit world in regards to times and dates and seasons, or you will miss out. The biggest thing that you and I as a disciple of this day could miss out on is the rapture. The rapture is when the disciples of Jesus, along with the saints that have died, float up to the air and meet with Christ. And like I said, do not mistake the rapture for the second coming of Christ. The rapture is for all those who are not Jewish and have made a commitment to Jesus. The second coming of Christ is when Jesus touches planet Earth again, and those who were taken up in the rapture will actually be with him on horses. And it is at this that he comes back, not for the non-Jews and the Gentiles and the Christians, but for the Jewish people to save them. My message isn't about end time stuff or to remind us that the rapture is the end game, but as Mark 13.33 clearly points to, when time is up, don't be asleep. And this is the point. Don't be asleep. Learn to understand God's seasons in your life and in the life of the body of Christ. That way, you can act accordingly. So what time is it? If we use our imaginations and think of our local church navigators not as a collection of people that gather together in a building, but a collection of people that gather together and form a boat, we might better understand our function together and the role we play. We will find that it works in our favor to know what the time is according to God. It's at this point now that really I wanted to show a video clip of the, a part of a video clip of the movie uh, Master and Commander. 
and it stars Russell Crowe in it. And he is a captain on board an 1800 or 1700 um, big ship and um, they're off and they're going off to war. And so you'd sit there and go, wow, that was really, really cool, and you'd get all excited. And then from that, what I would then say is, is there are some points that I want to draw out of there. So <clears throat> if we'd watched the video clip, one of the questions I would have had was, what sort of ship is it? The other point I would have made is, is that in the video clip that we would have evidently seen that there is a captain. Also in the video clip, what we would have noticed is, is that there was a crew but there were no passengers. And the last thing that we would have noticed in the video clip was there was someone in the crow's nest. We need to see that navigators slash people slash church is very much like that ship. We have a captain, Joe. <clears throat> and Joe here has people around him who inform him with information to help Joe make the best decisions for the ship and its crew. The ship has a crew. There are no passengers. On the ship, the navigators, it's important to understand we are all the crew. There are no passengers in this boat. Passengers get in the way. They take away resources, time, and energy from sailing the ship. So what that means for you and I is taking ownership as a Christian in this house. So here's a few examples. And today was something that we had to walk through. So here's an example. If we ever come to church, and this is what we think, I hope the worship is good today. Is that a mentality of a passenger or somebody who takes ownership? How about this? Have we ever left church going, worship wasn't great today? Is that the thinking of a passenger or somebody taking ownership? I didn't make that mess, so it's not mine to clean up. Is that a passenger, or is that somebody who's taking ownership? I don't come to prayer meeting because I'm not a prayer. Is that a passenger, or someone who's taking ownership? I don't miss church that much, but when I do, it's important. Is that a passenger, or is that ownership? I'll be honest, the last statement won't win me any friends, but I'll come back to it. What about this? Sorry, I'm not in the right place now to help out at church because I'm going through things. Passenger or ownership? There are probably plenty of other examples we could think of where on an individual level, maybe we need to challenge ourselves as to that thought. Am I a passenger in this house, or am I taking ownership? In that movie clip that we would have seen, we would have been able to distinguish what sort of ship is it? What sort of ship is in the movie? Thank you, David. It's a warship. And this is so important for the people on board the ship to understand. Uh, when I wrote this, this is before... Um, uh, Prime Minister Ardoon had made some changes and everything else. So, excuse me if this is now past news, Talia. Talia and Monique are booked on a cruise, and on this cruise, they're cruising around Fiji, taking in the sights, enjoying the onboard entertainment, pina coladas, and dancing at night and eating yummy food. 
Can you imagine if Talia and Monique got on the wrong ship and instead of getting on a cruise ship, they got on a fishing trawler? And instead of whining and dining, they were the, ki- the cooks and the fish gut removers. It would be the worst holiday ever. So just as Talia and Monique will be careful to get on the right boat for the right experience, we as the crew need to understand what sort of ship we're on. And that way we'll know what's expected of us and act accordingly. I need to tell you, That Navigators is not a luxury cruise ship. We're not here to entertain you or pamper to your needs and wants. So I want to encourage us then, we need to stop turning up at church trying to get something out of it. We are a battleship in hostile waters sent by God to set prisoners free. That is who we are. And if I can walk into this house and I understand that, then I'll act accordingly because I know what's expected of me. So that when leadership here says, can you, I'm going to reply with the right answer. Or when I see that there's a prayer meeting, this is actually I need to understand. I'm actually, I'm not a passenger. So therefore, I have to act accordingly. Does that make sense? Very quiet today. So that needs to be our mentality. This is a warship, and I have a part to play in seeing myself, my family, and the stranger being set free. Matthew eleven twelve says, The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. We are not a boat where we go around saluting Joe or yelling at members of the crew to grow some. But rather, I'm not here... But rather, I'm, I'm not here just for me. There are other people that are relying on me too. I don't come here to be self-filled or because I have to or because I feel like it. I come to church because I understand that in me walking with God, He places me in a church like this so that not only do I get my needs and issues worked worked out, but so that he can use me to help others be set free. It's a package deal. On one side of the coin, I'm being ministered to. I'm being ministered to. That's one side of the coin. But he expects me to actively participate in church life. That's the other side of the coin. Yet it's the same thing. So I need to come into church and I need to understand that actually I'm here so that I can change and be more like Christ. And at the same, so that's half of me. The other half needs to, needs to know I come into church because I need to be Christ to somebody else. And to function properly, you have to be active on both sides. So what that means is I just can't come in and be ministered to, just ministered to and ministered to and not ministered to somebody else. And at the same time, what that means is I can't come into the church and minister to others and minister to others and minister to others and not be ministered myself. It's both. We will have wounded people on the ship. We will. and that's okay as it is a part of our function to bring the lost and the broken into the kingdom 
and we too were lost and broken. We can never let the wounded dictate the course or the mentality of the ship. Weep with those who are hurting. Show love and compassion. But just as Jesus rose from the grave, we too must walk ourselves and encourage others. We cannot have victory while we still think we're a victim. And though there is truth in wounds, grace will always be a greater truth. The hope of Christ always outweighs loss. And because Christ was wounded and rose from the grave for my sake, I owe it to him to do the same. There's still the crow's nest that I want to cover from our imaginary movie clip, but before we do that, I made a statement about passenger or ownership in regards to being part of the church slash attending Sunday service. The quote I said was, I don't miss church that much, but when I do, it's important. I don't judge anyone for missing church. This is me personally. But as one of the shepherds in the house, I know when someone's not here. I don't judge anyone for missing the church, but I look at it like this. If my son says he's going to be a guitar player and he's missing some trainings to be a guitar player, would that not affect his guitar playing ability? People miss church for all sorts of reasons, work, sport, kids' sports, family events, and others. I'm not going to stand here and tell you what is or isn't important enough to miss church. This is what I would say. I would say, what does God think of your reason for not coming to church? Because if he's okay, then you're okay. But if he's not okay, then you just affected your ability to function as a Christian. For about eight years, Len and I attended a church that had its service on a Tuesday night. And what that meant was we could have a two-day weekend. So we would go away Friday night and return Monday morning in time for work. And we loved it. The Lord brought us out of that church and planted us here. And I'll be honest, what an inconvenience. At the time the Lord brought us here, I was actually planning on sailing lessons that are only taught on a Sunday. I'm so passionate about water and water activities that having a skipper's license wasn't good enough for me. I had to get my powerboat level one and two license. Sailing was the next area I had to put my hand to. Church will not always fit in with what is convenient. But what I have learned over the years is that I must consider God's perspective of church. Nehemiah 13 verse 14 says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of God and for his service. The word remember is not like we think of remember as in God forgot and then remembered. In the original Hebrew meaning, it actually means to mark, to mark. So Nehemiah is saying, remember, mark me for what I have done for your house. Why? Because Nehemiah knew that whoever puts God's house ahead of their own house 
God will remember you and your house. Nehemiah, Nehemiah saying to God, look, there were some sacrifices, some inconveniences I had to make in my good deeds to the service of your house. Don't wipe them out, but remember them. We're a part of this house and we serve in it and we pray for the house and its leadership. We give finances. And when we do that, it means that we can come before God and remind him of what we have done for his house. And that puts God in remembrance that he will move on our behalf. Isaiah 43, 26. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. This isn't about self-righteousness, but understanding the value God has for his house. Christians need to understand that God values his house so much that whoever makes personal sacrifices for it, God will honor them in their house. Matthew 15, verse 24, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost house of Israel, and yet there were two Gentiles where Jesus performed miracles. One is the Gentile woman who received it because of her faith. And the other Gentile was a Roman centurion. I'm going to read Luke 7, starting at verse 1. Jesus heals a centurion servant. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he, he entered, blah, 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 blah. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with Jesus to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that one for whom... He should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. It then goes on to say that actually what happened was Jesus met the centurion or the servant of the centurion, and the instead of coming back to my house, you just say the word and you're going to be healed. So then Jesus goes, you know what? I haven't seen faith like this in the whole house of Israel, and the Roman centurion servant was healed. This is, the, this is where I want to um, sort of, verse 5. So if we can imagine there's Jesus, he's actually walking, he's walking with his disciples. A servant comes up to him and says, Jesus, my master, the servant is sick. Can you come heal him? And this is what, I'm going to quote what the servant said to Jesus. He says, for he loves our nation. So he's talking about the Roman centurion. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. What's a synagogue? A church. And then in verse 6, it says, Then Jesus went with them. So my understanding in reading that is, is actually Jesus was, on the, uh, was, walking, uh, was walking to a direction that he was going in. Somebody stopped him, said, My master's servant is sick. Can you come? And Jesus turned away from where he was, direct, where he was originally going, and he went and he healed the servant. Why did Jesus turn? Verse 5 tells us, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. 
that got, that got Jesus' attention. The Roman centurion's service to God's house got Jesus' attention got Jesus' attention to the, to the centurion and his house outside the timing of God. Hello? I'm, hey, so Jesus says, I haven't come for the Gentiles. We're the Gentiles. I haven't come for you guys. I haven't come to heal you. I haven't come to set you free. I've been sent to my own house, which is the Israelites. So that's where he is. He's gone there to deal with it. Somebody that was not an Israelite, so somebody out of this house, all right, got God's attention outside of timing. What got God's attention outside of timing was this, is, is, is that the centurion had built a house for God. Is it then safe to say that actually the way that God values the house can move him to move outside of normal timing? Wow, I'll tell you what. You know what? That just changed the way I see coming to church. So just just a little bit. So we did. We we had Tuesdays. So we had a we had a weekend when we came here. That that just changed our whole lifestyle because you know we know you know we all know what it's like to go away from the weekend. What we can't do is I can't do this because this is this is not what God wants. Oh, I have to go to church because if I don't go to church, you know people will know that I'm missing or you know the people at the front keep preaching that you know you should be at church. If I do that because I'm being told I'll do that, I'm going to tell you what you know what I'm going to have some issues because it isn't going to work because that's not how love works. So what I've learned is, 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 is that what changed me so that I'm okay coming to church, because I am okay coming to church, and I'm going to be honest, church can be an inconvenience. There's a prayer meeting that's on a Wednesday, it's from 6.30 to 7.30. Well, you know what, that's an inconvenience, because it is an inconvenience, and then you add your leaders' meetings and all these other things that are all part of normal church life. And, and I'm going to be honest, they were inconveniences for me. What I didn't want to do is I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do, okay, well, I'm going to do it because that's the right thing to do because I have to. What I did is I just changed how I saw God saw the church. And when I changed, when I saw how God saw the, saw the church, I went, you know what, can you change so I see the church like you see the church? And then what I found was actually it wasn't an inconvenience anymore. Does that make sense? Moving on. I'm hungry. Picture. Okay, before we finish on the crow's nest, I need to acknowledge our name change. If man had decided that we are sick of being called the gate, let's give ourselves a new name, then it could be argued that there is no significance. But when God, should, when God decides to change the name, we need to sit up and take notice because it means we're in for a change. We see that when God changes people's names in the Bible, sorry, we see that when God changes names of people in the Bible. When the Lord changed a person's name, it normally meant that their identity changed. And then that will reflect on their roles in the kingdom and personality and character. God has a tendency to call people by the role they served. So don't be surprised when, don't be surprised when how we have functioned as a church begins to change. Sooner than later, God will reveal his purpose, and then we will understand why he changed our name to Navigators. However, I do think that the biggest clue is actually in the word Navigators. When God changes a name, it is never a backward step. It is always about increase of influence to fulfill a bigger task than that which was set 
under the old name. We could, we could see it like this, is, is, is that there's a sign outside and it says the gate. So that sign is about to come down. There's going to be a new sign on there and it says navigators. So what we can go as well, this church has changed its name. And correct, it has it's changed its name. But here's my next question. What is the church? The four walls. The chairs. No, we. We, we are the church. So it's the people. So if God has changed the name of the church... Is it not safe to say that because we are the church that we are in for change? It's just, we just need to know God's timing and stuff. Crow's nest. I started off this word about timing. God's timing and the importance of not being asleep at the wheel. If I understand where I am in the timing of things, I won't find myself in an awkward situation like Richie McCaw, Prime Minister John Key, and the president of rugby did when there was a handover of a Rugby World Cup where three men are seen shaking their hands. If it wasn't for technical difficulties, that picture would have been on the wall. The importance of understanding my timing now sets me up for what, it, for what is to come. And if I understand where I am now, then when what is to come, comes, I'm ready for it. I'll say that again. The importance of understanding my timing now sets me up for what is to come. And if I understand where I am now, then when what is to come, comes, I'm ready for it. And the opposite is also true. If I don't know what God is doing now, then what is to come, comes, I won't walk in its fullness because my prep wasn't enough. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is this. I need, Lord, I need to know where I am now. I need to know what you want to do with me now so that when this day comes, whenever that day comes, I'm ready for it. Otherwise, what will happen is if I do not and I just marry, marry along and I do my own thing and I'm going, yeah, yeah, the church changed its name and everything else and it's cool and you know, Joe's awesome and, and all of that, but I don't, do, I don't take particular notice of what he wants to do in me. When this day comes, and I'm telling you now, that day is coming, I'm, I'm not prepared for it. Then I'm the one that's going to miss out. On the old ships, the crow's nest, which was found at the top, allowed a crew member to see further with an unhindered view and without being influenced by other people's views. The body of Christ has nominated people who climb crow's nests. Amos 3 verse 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. So in knowing the timing of things of God, prophets are very helpful and knowing what's going on and what is about to happen. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I have spent some time in the crow's nest. I'm not the only one on this boat who frequents the crow's nest. Nancy and Kevin and others do too. I'm going to finish my sermon on what I believe is going to come in the hope that you will understand what he wants from you now. I I believe that in this decade, we will experience things unprecedented as a church. And the only other time that the church experienced what we are about to experience can be found in the book of Acts. 
there are some points that I really feel like the Lord spoke. The youth will rise up with a voice. Acceleration. Presence and power. Abnormal occurrences. God encounters. So I really believe that what we are going to see in the next 10 years are some of those things that I talked about. And I'm sure I haven't covered it all. The youth will rise, rise with a voice. I really believe that the Lord is saying that in the next 10 years, in, that, in, this, in this decade, we'll see young people will rise up without being ashamed of the gospel and will willingly speak and point to the cross. They will not compromise themselves with the cares of this world and will cause a supernatural strength to come across the bride to run with passion and joy. So, this is, see, I believe that that's coming, and I'm still young, so I need to prep now for that. Acceleration. Things that normally have taken years will happen in days. Doors that seem like years away will supernaturally be brought forth and open. There will also be a supernatural grace to get things done quickly and even suddenly. So the Lord has always had a process and he has a time. And there's a scripture in the Bible and it says, uh, first, first the seed, then the leaf, and then the, and then the head of grain. And so what he's saying is, is things take time. And so time is going to be accelerated. And so you could say that in the last 10 years of somebody getting from A to B, it could have been three or four years because that's just the way that the Lord journeyed it out. I really believe that in the next 10 years that what we're going to see is people are going to get from A to B in days. Presence and power. I believe that we're going to see days in this house and in the bride over this nation of presence and power. At times, the church has had the power of God come, and the church has seen people have powerful encounters, people being healed and set free. The church has experienced the presence of God, where His peace has filled the atmosphere so much that it felt like the people were floating. The church has experienced His presence where inner healing has naturally taken place. And I really believe that we're about to experience presence and power where we will be like Isaiah when he cried out, Woe is me, in his first breath, before saying in his next, Send me. Abnormal occurrences. Things that never happen will occur against ridiculous odds. I will diverse for a moment. So there was a check that I left at home, and it was a big check, and the check was uh, from Hawaiian Airlines um, to the 2019 um, person who won it, which happened to my, be myself and Leanne. I really believe that there was a supernatural occurrence. I'm going to be honest with you. God loves me more, so I'm going to get more, and you're going to get... No, see, it doesn't work like that. So that, this is what I'm trying to say. This is the thing. If it happened for him, it's going to happen for me. And I really believe that what God wants to do is prep us now so that in the times to come, it says, you know what? Supernatural occurrences are going to hand pull right across the board. God encounters. I believe that 
in the next 10 years that people worldwide, saved and unsaved, will encounter God in such encounters that they would never, ever be the same again. And just as Moses had glory written all over his face, God's glory will cover his bride. All of this will be done not for our glory, but for his leading to unprecedented numbers coming into the house, wanting what we have, having eternity aroused and awoken in them. So I really believe that in the next 10 years that we're going to see God move in such amazing ways that we're not, it's almost like we're going to struggle to keep up with it. And it's not so that we look good, because it's not so that we look good. But it's so that the rest of the world can see there is something of life that is happening with those people. What is it? Because I need to know, because there's a stirring in me. Just calm down with all your enthusiasm and excitement, folks. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm just saying, hey, people, this, people are coming in to be saved. Well, it's okay. To recap, the rise of the youth with a voice, acceleration, presence and power, abnormal occurrences, and God encounters. These are amazing, awesome things to come. So awesome, in fact, that the Bible says that the men and women of God look towards this time and desire to be a part of this. Wow. I just, let's, can we just, Holy Spirit, just come, just take a moment. I'm, we've read the, you know, the story. There are great men and great women of God who did some and had some crazy encounters and, and adventures with God, and yet they all had this one thing in common. I want to be born now. It has to say something. We have to allow that to speak to us, to say, well, why is it that, that David, who did great stuff for God and, and killed a giant, would rather have been born now? It must speak about what's about to happen now that they knew in their spirits. And I want to encourage us, we need to be excited about that. If there was ever a time the saints of God wanted to be on the planet to be a part of it, it's the next decade. They don't have that privilege. Is it fair enough to say, is it fair enough then to say that we were born for such a time as this? Is it fair enough to say that the truth is this is actually you were born to take on coronavirus? Where to from here? I've talked about timing and the need to be awake. The last thing I want to finish is new wine and old wineskin. So Jesus says what you can't do is you can't put new wine. So there's an old wineskin and it's emptied out. What you can't do is you can't put new wine in there because if you put new wine in there, the bag bursts. So what it means is, is you have to change the skin. And I really believe that because I'm saying where to from now. I really believe that what the Lord wants to do this year in this house is go, you know what? We need to settle some stuff in your skin. Why? So that I'm, you're ready for this. Because this is coming. This is coming. And so the, the next series, and I'll just allude to it, I think is the word, is, is, is that um, the next series that Joe wants to go with is, is that where we can actually begin to deal with soul ties. And we need to deal with soul ties. You know, the Bible says that um, you know, curses can flow through, our, through the blood. 
And so that means in, uh, is, is that, you know what, part of the issue that I might have today is because five, eight, ten, this is my great, great, great father over here, he did something wrong. Now, I don't even know the guy. I wouldn't even know where he's buried. But the Bible tells me that because he did something that he shouldn't have done, that me over here can be affected by that, which means that if I'm here affected by that, I can't get there. So I really believe that what will happen is, is, is that in this year, God wants to go, you know what, I need to come in, I need to cut some stuff off. It's time to deal with sin. We still let us say that word. It's time to deal with sin. Because that's what he's wanting to do is say, hey, can I change your skin of your wine, of, the, of your wine skin? Let me change it because i got this coming for you. Let's pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> cool. Because I'm lost. That's <laughs> pretty usual. <laughs> so I got a wife. She tells me to go. Kia ora, family. Hey, Rob, that was a brilliant, brilliant message, and it was a good message, a word for today. Lovely to see uh, your gift and uh, uh, you growing in this area. Um, but church family, I don't know whether we've recorded this or not, but this really is a message that you want to probably sit and just ruminate on a bit more. Um, I just want to share um, a text that we sent through to Joe and Lids last week. Oh, you've all gone blurry. Um, obviously, we couldn't be here, but we were mindful of the name change. And uh, so I sent Lids this, uh, Joe and Lids, this message just on behalf of the, the whanau and Raro. Um, we were with you in spirit and in heart, and we were celebrating with you, even though we couldn't be here in person. I sent this, uh, Kirana Joe, Lids, eldership team, and church family, from Tanya and I, Vernon and Taos, we're excited for you all as you celebrate the release of your new name in this season, going further into the purposes of God. By the way, Taos and Vernon are doing very well. They pass on their love too, and so too do um, our church in Adipur. Adipur is the name of our church. That was a name change too, but anyway. As I think of your new name, Navigators, a few things come to mind. History, present, and future. History. As the gate, we were navigating a new course when we planted in 1995, discovering what the church was called to be as a lampstand in our community, bringing hope for the future into our nation. Our Polynesian people are navigators by his design. It's in our DNA. In terms of the present, it is the new name given to this house by the Lord. I feel that felt that with all my heart. The Lord's given you guys this new name. In Scripture, whenever the Lord changed the name of a person, it always signified a new season and a great work that God was about to do. Abraham became Abraham. It signified the, the birth of a new nation. Simon to Peter in Matthew 16, signified uh, was the building of his church. Jesus said, upon this revelation, I'll build my church. Saul to Paul, the apostle who wrote, who wrote over half the New Testament. In Acts 9.15, Saul becoming Paul was the bearer of his name before the world, before kings, and before the sons. I believe these attributes to be prophetic for navigators, 
your name change signifies what God is wanting to do in you and through you, that you'd be bearers of his name. And as Rob accurately pointed out, it's not the building that carries his presence. It's us. This isn't the church. We are. Future. The name Navigators sees it all. The need to be teachable, new wineskin, constantly making adjustments, being flexible, working together, respecting each other's roles, and listening to the captain, it's Joe and Lids, as, and the eldership team, as they listen to the coach, that's Jesus, as the Lord navigates you into your future, taking you further into his purposes. All hands on deck will be required. No one supporting from the sidelines, but everyone on board, everyone having an important part to play. Your future is in the horizon where heaven meets earth. Your future is bright. The Lord bless you in this glorious day. We are with you all in heart and spirit. Look forward to sitting with you this morning. Um, I do want to say too that... uh, The label is changing, but I believe the Lord has been changing the content for the last five years. It's the label that's changing, but in here it has been changing for the last five years. And God's needed to change some things. And I thought it was very interesting that Rob also said that there needed to be a break, a soul tie, you know, break from soul ties. And while Rob gave an illustration of ancestral uh, soul ties being broken, there can also be relational ones too. And, and not, not because they're unhealthy, but they can become unhealthy when we are staying rooted in them, when actually God has moved on. When, um, you know, when Joshua led the people in Joshua 5, uh, sorry, in, in Joshua 1, the Lord was, some would say, very blunt. But the Lord just said, Josh, Mo's dead. You lead these people, move on. See, some people would have wanted to stay there and just mourn for Mo just a little bit longer. But the Lord said, Joe, he's dead. Move on. And see, there, there, there can be some who have a soul tie to Tanya and I through the seasons that, where we were leading the gate. And indeed, there were some who had soul ties to Bruce and Teresa when they were leading the gates and when they handed the the baton on to us there were people that had soul ties to them and so it was difficult for them to make the necessary adjustments to now be leading uh, to be led in the church by Tani and I and it can be the same too for those who now I'm I'm not speaking to those of you who are new for those of you who knew who don't even know who we are Um, but for those of you who do for those of you who were with us when we were leading I think it's very important to not be caught up in that soul tie that you miss out on what the Lord is wanting to take you into. It's necessary and very, very vital for you to realize that actually the Lord has moved on. It's time to move with him. I mean, we're still good people, you know. We're, st- we're still nice. Um, but it's just understanding the Lord's moving. It's important to stay with the Lord with what he's doing. So um, even some of you may have soul ties to Tanya and I, and you may have found it difficult to adjust to Joe and Lyd's leadership. What's more important is to be staying with what the Lord's doing. And the content in this house changed five years ago. It's just the labels catching up now. Your future is bright. The Lord is with you, and we celebrate with you guys. If you do have sold ties to us, 
and your best interest in for the future of the kingdom moving forward, give it the cuts. <laughs> I just wanted to respond um, just with awesome message, Rob. And um, he spoke about abnormal occurrences, youth will rise with a voice, no compromise, acceleration, presence, and the presence and power of God and the supernatural occurrences. Probably in our neck of the woods and um, the Cook Islands, what we're seeing is a resurgence of the raising up of young people at an accelerated rate. So it's just really a um, testimony to what God is doing in snippets of where we are and what we see him doing in confirmation um, and just the connectedness of what God is doing and now in our part of the, um, the motu. Yeah, we are seeing a raising up of young people. There's a new breed of leaders that are rising mm -hmm. up and in our context um, with Aripua is it from the ages of 14 to 80 and in between there's an acceleration going on where the word of God has been quickened to the hearts and the spirits of the people that are gathering because they're hungry for God. They're hungry for God and they want to not just know God more, but they want to know his word in a deeper way. And that's happening from young people, you know, but right across the board. And that's what we're seeing in our context. Things are happening in and through young people and through the people of God in the Cook Islands at an accelerated rate where things would take years, you know, processing and how we do this. Da, da, da. The Lord is changing the hearts of people like that. And there's an acceleration happening because the people of God in the Cook Islands is, is moving away from the religiousness of what used to happen to coming, because they're seeing the power of God, the supernatural power of God at work in the Cook Islands. And it's because of what God is doing. It's not because of a domination or it's because they're seeing the power of God and its realness they're experiencing God in a real and supernatural way that it's unexplainable. You know, and, and um, Rob, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of the old wineskin, because God, God won't pour new wine into an old wineskin. And a lot of that relates to things, the way we used to do things. Oh, this is how we used to do it. We hear it all the time. This is how we used to do things. This is what we used to. No, we need to do it that way, this way. But what we're hearing God saying, along with our eldership team and with other leaders on the island, is God is doing a new thing. And this stuff, the way that we used to do things, it doesn't work anymore because that's what God used then. But we're recognising seeing in God that God is doing a new thing in this way and this is how he wants to do it. And it goes back to you know, an old wineskin, you know, the old way, the old way up here of doing things, it, that worked for them, but it's not going to work moving forward. And so, yeah, great word, Rob. And we can see, like, with what you, you know, you quoted all this morning, we can see the hand of God moving in our context, confirming these things that you're speaking about. I just want to say one more thing, too, in terms of the abnormal that Rob raised up. Um, see, um, often when God's doing a new thing, there's often re uh, references to the, the younger generation. Well, actually, there's the older generation in our context as well. We have 80-year-olds that are on fire for the Lord. 
It's like the, they found a whole new lease of life. They've gone from preaching just, you know, very statically, reading what they're, they're preaching, to now going without their notes. But the fire of God and the passion of God within them. And this guy's 80 years old. We've got another one who's 72 years old. Um, and uh, we, we're seeing, see, old wineskins got nothing to do with age. It's got every, old wineskins got everything to do with the inflexibility to, 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 to be able to be flexible, to be able to shift, to be able to learn, and to embrace the new thing that God is doing. So old wineskin is not reflective of age. It's, got, it's, it's a reflection of your inflexibility to adjust yourself and to recognize, ah, this is God. I better do some preparations. I, I better make some adjustments. And so, you know, uh, what we're seeing sometimes in our concerts is, is that there are one or two younger ones that need to be flexible to what God's doing. And then we're seeing the older ones, like the 80s and the 72-year-olds and the 68-year-olds and the 69-year-olds who are actually adjusting themselves to what God's doing. I want to tell you, it's so beautiful. There's just life. There's life. There's life. There's life. Like there's life here. You can come back and pray. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Tanya. Um, I'll get you up there. Oh, sorry, I, what I was doing, I was just sitting there because I, I don't know how to. I don't. I don't really know how to finish this. Um, but what I was thinking was, this is what I was thinking. It's like, um, so you, so you go to somebody's place and you have a feed because that's what happened this morning. You had a feed, and then that person says, "Cool, now I feed you. Get out." Hey, you, what, it, what it does is it doesn't have you allow you to have time to digest. This is all I want to do this morning. If there was something that I, that, that I just shared this morning, that you were like, you know what? I don't know. And you might not understand, but something, off of you, something inside of your spirit or heart this morning went, that's me. This is, what I, this is how I want to finish. There's coffee. So if you feel free to, to, to leave for coffee, Pete's going to play for a while. I'm not going to pray for anybody because you don't need me because the King Kings, the Lord of Lords, He's in the house, all right? But I want to encourage you, if there's anything this morning where you go, you know what, that just spoke to me, that touched me this morning. Yeah, you know what, God, I'm not too old for about what's around the corner. You know what, God, change me now so that I'm ready for my tomorrow. This is what I just want you to do. I want to encourage you. Just stand. Stand before God. Close your eyes. We keep your eyes open and just your, your palms open and just say, that's me, God, this morning. So if, uh, that's us. I want to thank you. I want to pray. I praise you, Lord Jesus. And uh, we want to thank you for coffee and tea. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, you, you do your thing in us, Lord God. You do your thing in us, Lord. And we don't want to be a people who go, man, that was nice. That, that touched me. And then walk out the door and find that we haven't changed. And if we need to take that moment longer with you this morning to say, you know what, Lord, it needs to resonate deeper within me. Then, Lord, just by faith, I just choose to stand right now before you. And I come before you as your son and as your daughter, cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus to say, Father, would you have your way in me? So I do I want to encourage you, if that's you, stand this morning just before the Lord. Amen.